doing? How you feeling? How you living? Thanks for joining me today. It's your girl, Akua, your host for Dem Coins Podcast, where we help millennials of faith gain clarity on what they truly value, manage and increase their income, and crush their financial goals. And today's very special guest is Ifi Ibekwe, and we're going to be talking about estate planning, wills, trusts, life insurance, all that fun stuff. Hey, hey, hey. I hope everyone is doing well. How you doing? How you doing? You might be on spring break in Cancun or something on a cute little beach. Listen to this podcast, cleaning your house, whatever you are doing. I hope you are in good spirits and enjoying some of this slightly warmer weather. Um, things in uh, finance have been very interesting. You know, ooh, stock market. <laughs> ooh. I don't even want to talk about them paper losses, but hey, still I rise. Amen. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Biden did go on ahead and um, postpone or uh, put um, all student loans on deferment again. So, you know, we'll just keep on a trucking. And um, um, also another really interesting article that I saw um, on CNBC, it says that 67% of Americans have no estate planning. So I am super pumped to bring this episode to you guys because I know estate planning is not cute, it's not sexy, but it is necessary. And today's guest is going to bring that heat. And that is why this is a two-part series. So who is Ify Bekwe? Ify is the principal attorney of Ibekwe Law LLC. She believes that women deserve to make decisions that affect them with wills, trust, and other estate planning documents. Activating women is Ify's calling, and she also loves speaking internationally about entrepreneurship, estate planning, motherhood, and supporting other women lawyers. Ify is a double longhorn who graduated from the University of Texas at Austin. She did both undergrad and law school there. She practiced law for over 15 years. Ify is passionate about racial justice and reconciliation and is the current board president for Be The Bridge, an international nonprofit that empowers people towards racial healing, equity, and inclusion. Committed to being a leader in legal discourse, Ify is a weekly contributor to Above the Law, the largest online legal community in the world. She is currently writing a book about culturally competent estate planning with a 2023 publication year. When not in her garden, Ify relishes spending time with her remarkable husband and four spirited children aged eight and under. So without further ado, let's get into this interview. All right. Well, them coins family, we have another amazing, amazing, awesome, special guest, the legacy evangelist herself, Miss Ify. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ify. Thank you for coming on. I'm just so excited to learn more about you and your journey and estate planning and all of the good things. So we like to reel it on back and <laughs> take it back to the beginning. And so I'm always curious. Um, people who are in the financial space and who have a ton of success like you, 
did you start off in your family where you guys were very financially literate or was this just something that you kind of just learned or like what happened? <laughs> yeah. Well, first, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And if I could take it all the way back, I would say that my parents didn't really teach us a lot about financial literacy growing up. We were not struggling, though. Um, so I was born in Nigeria, but then grew up in the Middle East in Dubai and Saudi Arabia and in Doha, Qatar. Um, and my dad was a physician and he used to teach at medical schools. And a lot of the reasons that we left Nigeria is because of financial mm -hmm. insecurity and wanting opportunity. So he was in this first wave of doctors that started leaving and going to other places. And a lot of them ended up going to the Middle East, but we went in 1985. So we were at the very front of that movement. And um, I didn't know them, but one of the reasons that my dad had done that was so we could be able to move to the United States eventually and have opportunities to go to school here because you know, a lot of West Africans, a lot of Africans, just immigrants, education is the great mm -hmm. equalizer. And it is what brings financial stability and success in future generations. So even with that background, we never really talked about money. Um, I never thought we had money, although other people in my school thought we had money just based on where you lived and things like that. Because we didn't experience some of the things that my neighbors experienced. I was like, oh, we can't afford a car, like for me to go to high school. Now I'm like, why would I even ever give a 16-year-old a car? <laughs> yeah. But you know, where where I grew up outside of Houston and Sugarland, that was mm -hmm. very common. I remember um, when I went to college, one of the things my dad always said is, whatever you do, don't take out a credit card. Mm -hmm. And I think that it was so important to him not to take on debt. To the point that when we moved to the to the United States to Houston, we couldn't get a house because my dad had no credit history. We were cash people, and so you bought yeah. what you had, and no one would give a loan out to someone, you know, based on their salary or whatever. They wanted to see your credit history, and I think even having to, we my dad ended up renting to build credit, you know, and to opening credit yeah. cards and things like that. But even in doing so, he still was very cautious about taking on debt in that way, especially for, um, you know, just personal goods, like, oh, I'm buying some soap, and I'm buying it on this interest, like to him, that would have been nonsense. So that was kind of my um, first education into finances. I definitely had an allowance growing up. I was very spoiled. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Pretend like I wasn't. I didn't really want for much, but I also didn't appreciate what things cost because I think my parents coming from their generation and having more means than their parents did, they wanted to sh literally show us the world, if not, um, you know, shower us with money, but at least with experiences. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. So it was yeah, it seemed more so just leading by example and you watch your dad example and that's how you yeah. learn. Okay, cool, cool. I have money issues though because of living, growing up like that. You start thinking like that just comes by the wayside and it doesn't. It does take a lot of effort yeah. as well to be financially yeah. secure. Absolutely. And then so, well, and you also travel quite a bit. And so then when you, you land in, Austin, Texas, and you know, you're in school and you're in law school. And so where did estate planning come from? 
<laughs> Great question. It came from nowhere. Um, I went to school at the University of Texas in Austin. So I did my undergrad in law school. And my whole purpose of going to law school was to become an education lawyer, a school lawyer. And I did that for the first 10 years of 11 years, actually, of my career. I was in education law, in school law. And I ended up getting fired from my job, which I've spoken about. <laughs> it's like no shame attached to it. I needed to have that happen in order for me to transition into estate planning. When I got terminated, my mom friend, our kids went to daycare together, was a financial planner. And she said, hey, do you do wills? Because I was toying with opening up my own practice or leaving the practice of law. I was just not really feeling very confident about myself. And she said, do you do wills? And I said, why do you ask? And she said that the man who they give repeat business to is putting the wrong names on wills. So at signings, people are coming to sign their documents, you know, to make them official. And he just has a copy of the last person's will, or he didn't go through it. And I just thought, oh my gosh, that, that I, I couldn't even imagine the incompetence mm -hmm. that that would be as a lawyer that scared me. And I thought, well, I don't know nothing about wills, but I, I am <laughs> yeah. better than that already. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so I told her I do now. And then I just started learning and calling lawyers and they started to just give me business. And that's how I got into estate planning. It was truly because I said yes. And, and I bet on myself in a situation where I thought, well, it's not going to be that bad and he's getting business. And so, yeah, the entrepreneur in me woke up again. And, and then that's how I started doing it. And it's what I do exclusively, exclusively now. And it's, it's also become um, my calling, what I talk about, you know, and the thorn in my side. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that wow, that is a pretty interesting story. And that that is definitely scary. Um, it was just oh, yeah. I'll put Susie's name where Brittany's name is supposed to be. I don't care. Like that is nuts. Oh, livelihoods. That's so bad. Their children's children's lives. That's really like, bad. What? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that scares me. <laughs> so I'm glad there are very competent people like yourself out there with awesome, like, you know, thriving businesses. And you did mention that sometimes it can be the thorn in your side. So I wonder what is the most challenging part? Because there's two components. There's obviously the actual work of preparing documents and stuff like that, but you're also running entire business. So yeah. Yes. So I wonder I think that the most challenging part, part of it is it's just on levels, right? Part of it is feeling like educating people about something that's so important, but not sexy, like cryptocurrency yeah. or becoming a real estate investor or paying off all your debt. You know, the things people love to get on and say, oh, guess what? I just bought my second Airbnb and everyone's like, yay, you know? When it's estate planning, they're like, uh, first of all, we're going to have to talk about me dying and then the possibilities of what would happen to all of my stuff or my children or my business. I'm pretty much going to put that on the back burner. And so a lot of it feels like it's not front of mind for many people because we have this idea that we will live forever and that it'll just keep going and things will be as they are. And one day when you are 95 and you're about to pass on, you look at all your great grandkids and say, you know what, I should come up with a plan for them, right? I think that's how people look at estate planning. It's like, not now. And so being able to express the value of it without shaming people or bringing in fear is really difficult. 
because I could go out there and be like, look, y'all are, we are all going to die. Mm-hmm. Okay. You need to get your affairs in order. Okay. Here are the stories of what's actually happening in my little sphere of influence, much less in yours and in the whole world. Like this is a pattern. It's happening. You need to put stuff in place or the state is going to decide what to do with you and your stuff. Okay. I could come at it from that angle, but I really try and come at it with a little bit more finesse and grace to give people reasons how we got here and give them the ability to start. And that is a lot of hard work. And on top of that, running a business and getting clients in the door and being able to um, pay my employees and myself and all the, the ups and downs of entrepreneurship and slow seasons. Like right now I'm going through a slow season and I'm like questioning everything. And you were like, you have such a thriving business. I'm like, it sure don't feel <laughs> thriving right now. You know, but that could change tomorrow. That's the part of it. And so, you know, just trusting God in the process, I'm telling you, it's like a thorn in my side because I feel like I am called to do this work. But I also sometimes I'm like, you know what would be easy? Being a 15 year attorney, going to work for some company and getting a nice check benefits and, you know, (laughs) an an assistant and not having to worry about bills and showing up and coming home and, you know, doing my work when I'm there. That sounds like the the easy, because I I have a great degree. I am marketable skill set. I have people who make me job offers, but I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. And so it's, it's, it's a, it's a fine balance, honestly. I think people think, oh, you're a lawyer. It's fine. I'm like, no, you you know, you kill what you, you eat what you kill. So that, that part is tough. And then you're trying to get the word out to people all over the country. You can't personally serve them all, but that's more like for your generation, I just want to plant the seed for your next generation. I want you to water it or, you know, whatever it is, take it if you will, and not necessarily seeing any fruit. that might come in my lifetime, but hoping that somebody has heard it and implemented it. That's exciting. That is awesome. I wish I'm sure y'all can feel the excitement and the energy because I mean, I definitely feel it. And it's great to have people in such important fields, again, unsexy, but important fields that are really passionate about what they do. That is awesome. And so I, hmm, because my audience is a bit of a mix. So there are some single people like mm-hmm. myself and then there's some people with married kids. And so with the state planning, again, everyone feels like, oh, I'll do it later. But at, is oh, yeah. there ever too young to do estate planning? I mean, as an adult? Yeah, I think that if you're under the age of 18, yes, it's too young to do estate planning. But if you're 18 and you have capacity and you're able to consent for yourself, which means that you're not under a conservatorship like Britney Spears was, where another adult is in charge mm-hmm. of you. And if you do something, you face the penalties of a mm-hmm. full-grown adult, then you need some sort of an estate plan. And it doesn't have to be because you have a ton of assets. It can be to manage your personal property, which is like your car or jewelry or um, books. Um, if you have any collectibles, any life insurance, things like that. Um, that are part of your personal property. I think when people think of, oh, I don't have any property, they only think of things that are assets like real estate, real property is what we call it in the law, or, or investments or cash or something tangible on hand. But the fact of the matter is all of us have an estate plan. Every state has intestate laws. 
I-N-T-E-S-T-A-T-E, laws. And this is a scheme for passing your property. And so if you don't put your own estate plan in place, you are already at the mercy of your state and they are going to decide. For example, you're in Illinois. Illinois has intestacy laws and they're saying, when you pass away, here's what we're going to do with this and here's who's going to get this and at what percentage and they've decided already. So it is to our benefit to, to get involved in that because your estate not only includes your property, personal property, real property, which is real estate, it includes your body as well. Because a lot of people think estate planning is only for when you're dead, but estate planning only also goes into effect if you're incapacitated. And you see all these people in the last couple of years who have suffered with COVID. I've had people call me and want to do an estate plan after six months in an ICU, okay, in their early 40s. And this is independent of being married or single. Like you still have to have a plan because you don't want an ethics board at a hospital deciding whether to put you on a ventilator or not, because that's a life and death decision depending on the illness, right? It's better to have people in place to be you, (laughs) to be an agent for you if ever you're not able to make decisions for yourself. That is true. Yeah. And that's very pertinent, especially with what's happened with uh, the pandemic and all of that, people who, you know, are perfectly healthy, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you can't yes. speak, you can't write, you can't, you know, oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Take care of yourself. And, and I'm not talking mm-hmm. old people or sometimes it's not an, a pre-existing condition. I'm talking young people who are coming out of it, needing, you know, straight up physical therapy, rehabilitation, learning how to walk and speak because, you know, a catastrophic injury or uh, having something like COVID, it's, it's going to affect you and it, it, it affects everyone differently. I mean, it, it, the, the variety of outcomes are vast. And so, um, you know, it is to your benefit. And if I could say this, if you are 18, you can make a decision, you can consent, then you need some sort of asset distribution plan to say what's going to happen to your stuff. If, even if you're renting, even if you have a student loan debt, right. which is a big one, people are like, oh, I, Daryl, I don't own anything. It's just all going to go to my mama. Right. No, it's not. And so if you look around your apartment or your home and you look and you have a printer, you're in front of a laptop, you're listening to your iPhone and you've got your shredder machine and you know, you've got the beds and your cars in the garage or whatever, who's going to manage all of that? Where do you want it to go? So some sort of asset distribution document, a will can do that, a trust can do that. You also need medical directives. So if you have a medical emergency, if you are ever going into surgery and you know you could come out with um, all sorts of outcomes, just truthfully, what would you want? You don't want your, your mother fighting with your sister over what to do with your body. Just give them instructions. Say, I don't wanna be in a persistent vegetative state for a year. That's not living to me. Let me go. Make that decision even if they disagree, right? There are ways that you can set up in advance how to make those decisions, who can get access to your health records because of HIPAA and other privacy laws. That It's not automatic that your mom is going to know, okay? And then the last one is some sort of a financial or property power of attorney that allows you to appoint someone to make financial decisions for you. In Texas, we have something that's uh, um, immediate 
or it is springing. Like if you are to become incapacitated, then it goes into effect. And you can have somebody be an agent to make these decisions on your behalf. And that's part of an estate plan. At a very basic level, that's what you need. And that is independent on what you have in your bank. It's like, help us close your life down, okay? <laughs> like make it easy on the person so that they don't have to end up you know, having to figure out oh, what accounts did you have waiting for your mail to come in to see where your bills are. And if even if they can see it, they can't pay it if there's an emergency because they don't have access to any of your accounts. It's just adulting, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. yeah, three steps to that. You dropped a lot of gems. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you need it. It's regardless of your marital yeah. status. Mm-hmm. It just yeah, is. That makes sense. Absolutely. Because I think sometimes, as you said, we narrow down like what assets really are. <laughs> we think, oh, yeah. if I don't have some big house, I have some big car, I have, you know, some, oh, yeah. some big boat somewhere, I don't have anything. But it's like, no. <laughs> right. Or if you don't mm-hmm. have kids, or if you're not married, it's like everyone wants to exempt themselves from this process, but we are all already in it. So you might as well list what you want so that there isn't any confusion. Absolutely. Yeah. Because Ooh, that stuff can get messy when people are incapacitated or people pass away and everyone's fighting over everything. I mean, it gets messy. Yeah, that's why people fight over everything because you didn't, the person who passed away probably didn't think they were going to pass away in that manner. Or maybe they knew their family fights and just didn't want to deal with it. And some people be like, well, I'll be dead anyway. And then your whole family falls out. Or one of your relatives comes and robs you of all your stuff before anyone even knows what was there. And they'll have someone's mom die. And then one wayward sibling comes and cleans out everything, takes money out the bank, does all kinds of stuff, you know, and who's going to pay for all of that? right? To go fight that. And so it is, everyone has a story. If you're listening, I know you've either seen something in your family, heard of somebody else's family going through that kind of stuff. Don't let your legacy be a mess mm. for other people to fight over scraps. People will fight over a yearbook. They'll fight over a doily on a table. They will fight over a flat screen TV. It is mm. that sad. I'm not saying your family will, but people yeah. generally will fight over anything yeah that's true yeah I think I think we can all say we've seen it even if from afar we've seen it yeah even in a Tyler Perry I mean you've seen it even if that's your only favorite reference hey he based it off of real people listen okay he's not that imaginative these things are happening every day and keeping lawyers like myself in business because another downside of not planning is it's going to cost you if you don't plan, even with the meager things that you might feel, because a lot of people are like, I just don't have it, right? A lot of states will have you sell off your property in order to satisfy your court fees, uh, to pay off your lawyer, to pay off your creditors, and then pass it on to whomever might be inheriting. And at that point, we're talking crumbs. I've had clients where you know, their debts were so large um, that at the end of it, they only got a few hundred dollars instead of literally hundreds of thousands. And so there are other ways to plan around that to credit shelter. Um, and, and I just want to point out something for people who might feel like they're young and they don't have a lot of stuff. They're still not convinced really that this, any of this matters. Get life insurance. 
Because if you can get life insurance, you can really start building a legacy because that's that long vision, right? You are not just thinking about yourself. You're thinking about how that money can affect the next generation. And one of the things that a lot of wealthy families that we can agree on are wealthy, whether they're of the uh, Kanye West or Kardashian variety, like whoever is it hot right now as far as who's moneyed in pop culture, they use life insurance. They're not working so hard. They're not having every generation start from behind the starting line. They buy some life insurance. They buy a lot of life insurance. And when that person dies, they're adding millions to their estate because they may not see that money. They won't see that money, right? But their kids will and their grandkids will. And that's one great equalizer is just keeping up that life insurance payment, buying a lot of it. Just to be transparent, I have two and a half million dollars of life insurance myself. And if you see me on Instagram, I have four kids. I want their lives to be set up really well that if I'm to pass away, God forbid, before they're of age, then uh, I, I want them to have some options like go ahead and buy a house go ahead and pay for college outright, go ahead and travel and study abroad. You don't have to take that job. Just give them a little bit of flexibility with the management of a trust, you know, so that they're good. And a lot of people might listen and say two and a half million dollars. That is crazy. It's a lot of money, but it's not that expensive because, you know, I wish I'd bought it 10 years ago, but I was, mm -hmm. I didn't have any kids, but it was, it would have yeah. been way yeah, cheaper. Okay? Yeah. And so, <laughs> Yeah, lock down that rate. So if I could tell you anything, you can always change your beneficiary. You don't have to even have kids. You can have it go to your alma mater. You can have it go to your church. You can have it go to your favorite niece and nephew. You can start a foundation. There's just so much you can do with uh, insurance money. So <laughs> that's my tip. I don't sell it, but I promote it widely. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's important. And so I have I have two life insurance questions. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, Term or whole, do you have a preference for? I personally have term life insurance and I have mine are staggered. So I got my first policy maybe 10 years ago. And then um, in 2020, I updated because 2020 was the year of unknowns. Okay. I, I updated, I bought some more. And then this last year in 2021, I also bought some more. So they are staggered a little bit. But what that means is that if I'm to, I wanted to go through a to their adulthood, right? Um, I will buy more, more than likely, but it, I have it out for, I think one of my policies is at least 30 years, the last one I got. So that would take me to uh, 70 years old. Mm -hmm. um, not that I plan to go. This money may never come to my kids. They might inherit and, and make money in other ways, but just in case they're going to be good. And my husband has a couple million on himself too. And so those are just things that we do. And I will be very frank with you. We have a lot of debt <laughs> from school loans and, you know, other, uh, actually it's just all school loan debt. Right. And so it's not like we are just flush with cash. We're just regular people. And I think of like, even when Barack Obama got into the white house, he still had student loan debts, you know, but I bet you there's still things you can do even in that state. So don't let debt be something that you think, oh, I can't start living until this is paid off or I may never pay this off. So I'll never start living. Other people do it. So just wanted to give that transparent example. Yeah, no, that, that is very helpful because 
I find that the same thing happens sometimes with people who are leery of like investing in the yeah. know, S&P 500. It's like, oh, but I've got like all this other debt and like, I'm scared and I don't want to do and, it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like We no made one- money just buying a house in Austin when I was really of that mindset, like, oh, we can't afford it. That house appreciated over six figures in uh-huh. four years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like selling that was the best thing ever. It was just like, what? Because we moved. And I was just like, you can do that in four years. I mean, if we had stayed in another couple of years, I'm sure we'd have sold it for even more in the, a hot market. But yeah, you can use investments to leverage them. Granted, it could go up or down, but they can leverage and get you out of a situation even quicker. And so that's always a, a really a cool thing to, you know, just bet on yourself, honestly. Mm-hmm. These, these big wigs and these banks and investment, they're they're playing with other people's money. They have a ton of debt too. Do you know what I mean? They're not just yep. flush with assets. They aren't. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Say I give it to people in the back because <laughs> listen, <laughs> they are not flush with assets. They are using money to make money. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. And then, yeah, that's, yeah, that's really powerful. And I, I just, I thank you for the transparency because, you know, sometimes people feel like, oh, I need to be perfect. And, you know, but yeah. or that she's a lawyer, of course, she can say this because she's like just raking in money as a lawyer. No, I'm the regular person. I got four children to feed and, you know, and I still believe this. So, yeah. And that's it. That's all you get for part one of two parts of talking about um, estate planning and making sure your legacy don't look like a mess. What a great episode. And Ify keeps it real. And that's what I adore about her. Um, Her life is not, you know, just perfect, you know, just because she, you know, has a successful career. But there's also a lot of challenges and I appreciate her transparency. And I think the most important thing that I took away from this episode was that pretty much everyone needs life insurance. Everyone needs some sort of estate planning because as we mentioned in this episode, you've probably seen it in your own family. Like if he said, you probably, you know, if you haven't seen it in your own family, then you've seen it in a Tyler Perry movie or something. But when people pass away, I feel like there's two events in life where if you like kind of, if you don't plan for it, it gets real bad. And that's like divorce. And when people pass away unexpectedly, people get really nasty, like real nasty. So like, if you can plan for some of these things, you can't plan everything in your life. Sometimes stuff just happens, but if you can plan for some of these unexpected things, Baby, you will save yourself and everyone around you a whole lot of headache, a whole lot of heartache. So with that being said, take care, y'all. And that pretty much wraps up today's episode. Thank you for joining me. I hope you got some new insights or maybe you just got some confirmation on a couple of things. Let your girl know. Feel free to reach out to me via email. Hello at demcoinsonline.com. Also, feel free to check us out on Instagram, dem.coins. If you have any good topics, cool new strategies, let me know. And while you're at it, feel free to write an awesome five-star review on Apple Podcasts. 
tell your friends about me, okay? <laughs> I am so excited for all of us on this journey. And until next time, stay encouraged. <laughs>